morning and welcome to Atheist Talk. This is Hertzy Hertz here today on August, oops, hold on. Can you 26th. 26th. Can you hear me now, Amy? I can't hear anything. In, oh, there we go. Can you hear us now? Yes. Awesome. <laughs> Live radio. Live radio. We're totally prepared this morning because my computer is going super slow and spinning, so I do not have my hosting script. Oh, no. But we have Amy with a Y here from Secular Soup, and we are going to talk about uh, community building, specifically in rural areas, because I know you're in rural Minnesota. So rural. Yes, you're from Fargo, right? Very, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you know? (laughs) Oh, God. Have you ever seen that movie? Oh, God. Yes. It came out when I was a teenager, and yeah, I... I love the TV show. The movie I'm not as fond of, but... I am not as fond either. I I think I watched maybe 10, 15 minutes, and I was like, I'm done. This is enough. It wasn't for me. All right. Well, if you'd like to join us live, you can talk talk to us at... Or call us at 952-946-6205. Or you can tweet us at at AtheistDoc. Or you can email us. I do actually have my phone set up on internet. So at least we've got got something. (laughs) Something to go with. I know. My my mobile hotspot is normally supposed to work. And it's just spinning here. I don't know. Um, So I'm trying to look it up. But Amy, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? And I know you have something to plug. Oh, I always have something to plug. Um, I am the co-host of the Secular Soup podcast, myself and Amy with an I, who lives in Texas. So I'm in Minnesota. She's in Texas. We're both in rural areas. So kind of our tagline of our show is we're two blueberries floating in a bowl of tomato soup, which is a reference to we're both liberal atheists um, hanging out in the reddest parts of the country. And that can get interesting sometimes. So... Yeah. yeah. And we, so yeah, Secular Soup, you can find that wherever you find podcasts. And we have a website that we debated whether I could say on the radio or not. So it's delightfulbitchcraft.com. I'll say it super fast. You can find that, find anything about the podcast and the stuff we make and sell and all that good stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm sure we will have links on the website because yes. I, I have one of your delightful yes, crafts. Yes, you do. As I have. I think now I have two mugs and a teapot. Yes. And I'm. Re- it's a really strong debate between which one is my favorite. Really? Oh, yes. Because you have the overwhelmed mug mm-hmm. and then you have the octopus teapot. Yeah. They're so awesome. <laughs> but for such different things. And now everybody wants an octopus teapot. Now Maddie wants one. So I got to find another teapot. And so, yeah, not only do we podcast, but we make just weird, weird crafts and sell which, them on Etsy. So. Which are the best crafts. They're fun. It's cathartic to write bad words on things and, you know, just make creepy doll head lamps. And <laughs> those seem to be my bread and butter now, finding old vintage dolls and making lamps out of them. Those sell right away. So, yeah. And I, I need to find your store. I need one of these lamps. Well, I only make one at a time because those, the, the doll heads, you need to make them. This has so much to do with atheism. <laughs> um, the doll heads, you need to make them are hard to find because you have to have a very specific type of vintage doll. And then you have to find a very specific type of lamp base that'll work. And then you have to put the, the right, it's, it's a whole to do. So, Have you ever heard of American Science and Surplus? No. You should check it out because I think they still have um, a whole bunch of doll parts. Ooh, yeah, I like doll parts. Yeah, yeah. I'll send I'll send you a link. Okay, uh, yeah, but okay, just because it doesn't have to do with atheism, it's still <laughs> an atheist viewpoint. Yes, I'm still an atheist that does these things. So, <clears throat> so, but I help out with some and have done some community building in the cities, and so let's talk. What 
What would you say is different about community building in a rural area? Well, specifically to atheism, in a rural area, you have a lot of people who are not out as atheists at all. And, you know, when you're in an urban area, even if you're not technically out as an atheist to coworkers or, you know, friends, family, you can still go to a group and remain fairly anonymous. So if you're at this group, you're not going to run into a lot of people you know. So if you're hanging out with the atheists, you're probably not going to get found out. If you're in a rural area and we have a, you know, some sort of meetup and we go to a restaurant, there are people who are going to be genuinely concerned because they're being seen with the other atheists in town and they're going to probably in whatever venue we have it, run into maybe some coworkers or maybe some friends. Well, yeah. How many restaurants are in are in your t- tiny town? Oh, God, two? No. <laughs> we actually, we, we're a tourist town, so we have enough restaurants. The problem is, you know, there aren't a lot that have good meeting rooms that are private. Um, and even when you find a private meeting room, we have the problem where people don't really want to talk openly because if anybody's o- overhearing you talk and they think, oh, that's so-and-so from the bank, I know mm-hmm. her, it could affect your livelihood. It's not just a matter of being afraid that people are going to find out you're an atheist. It's what can this mean for my livelihood? If you're an independent business owner and somebody finds out you're an atheist, you can get boycotted. Um, if you are like one of my friends and you work in a business where people are just freely talking about their religion on a daily basis... That could make things very tense for you at work if people find out. And and the same goes to a certain extent with being progressive or liberal. Um, I was talking, I've been at the Secular Women Work Conference all weekend, which is amazing. Super awesome. And I was talking to someone about, in my town, business owners feel perfectly comfortable putting up Trump signs in their business lawn um, or political signs for right-wing candidates. And they don't really think much about if that's going to affect their business because they just assume that's okay. Everybody in town thinks like them, and that's not a very controversial viewpoint to take. Whereas if I were to put up a sign for a liberal candidate, which I won't, I've been asked to do that because my business that I own is on a pretty big highway. I won't do that because I'm alienating 50% of the people who may be coming into my shop. And as much as I would love to promote that candidate, I'm not going to do it at work. I'll do it at home. But yeah, you drive by all these businesses with their Trump signs, and it's just, it's frustrating because the assumption there is that everybody in town thinks like me, even though they really don't, and they don't fear that their business is going to suffer because they take that public stance with their business. Um, So basically, it's just the small town dynamic where a lot of people know each other and are kind of in each other's business, and you have to work around that. So so this is one thing that that I, I find interesting is because, so I grew up in the middle of the cities, um, middle of St. Paul and such. Um, I have a very close relative who actually is from a small town. And going back and such, I think I have a skewed view of it because there's so many times I hear people going, oh, I just love the small town mentality. And I'm like, <laughs> ah. Not so much. I'm like, are you, are you sure you want that? Because so... Have you have you lived have you seen like both the small town? I have. Town? I you know, I grew up the town I live in now, that's where I grew up and was raised, that's where my family is. I did live down in St. Paul for many years when I was as you do when you're in college and in your early 20s. Um I ended up I, my plan was to stay in the Twin Cities area my entire life. I love it here. This is where I want to live. But, you know, life You are pretty awesome. You really are. <laughs> and 
life kind of happens. I ended up moving back home for a while, ended up getting married, having some kids. And you just kind of find yourself in a place where you're like, well, we're here now and we're going to make the best of it. And one thing I'm really passionate about is people that do live in small towns that have the ability to stay there if they're progressive and liberal to stay there and try to make it better and try to find the people that, you know, I don't want to just leave my town to be run by the bigots. And, you know, I want to try to make it a better place for everybody. So. <clears throat> so quick, qu yeah. and actually a quick question, because I mean, small towns do have a, a very long history of being mm -hmm. very more conservative. Do you find more conservative atheists? You know, not any more, I think, than you would find here. One thing I find is, much like any, you know, the town I live in is very homogenous, not diverse at all. So if you're talking to a group of atheists, you're going to find a lot of the white privilege and male privilege and those things that people haven't examined too much just because of where they live and because they've never been forced to think about these types of things. So you kind of find that. I do, in the atheist group that I'm in, we do have a few kind of I wouldn't even go so far as to say libertarian types, but a little more conservative when it comes to economics and art. We're looking at you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope he doesn't mind. I called him well, out. yeah. Gun ownership. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, we have, in fact, I'm thinking of one of my friends who's in the group, who's very into second amendment rights. And um, so, yeah, we see some of that, but for the most part, they're pretty progressive politically speaking. And they, even if they are a little more conservative, most of them are never going to vote for, um, are, can you be political on this show? <clears throat> Please note that all opinions are of the yeah. guests and hosts only do not necessarily reflect those of Minnesota, Minnesota atheist organizations. Okay, now say There it. you go. So <laughs> most of the like GOP candidates in my area are very Christian, are evangelical Christians. I mean, so just because of that, a lot of the even more conservative-leaning atheists in my area aren't going to, they're still going to vote for the liberal person because. And on like, because so, I know we talked about the, the white privilege piece of it, but on things like um, homosexuality and stuff like that, are they are they a little more blue in that area? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, we, I don't think we've ever had, at least in the group I'm in, I don't think I've ever seen anyone that has come in to argue that. LGBTQ folks shouldn't have all the same rights we do that aren't supportive. Um, and that's another thing about being in a small town. You kind of get the same core group of people that end up being in all the different groups. So the, a lot of people that are in the atheist group are also in the local LGBTQ group and are also in the local liberal group and the local pro-choice group. And Have you ever thought of just putting all those groups oh, together? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. In fact, we... This year, we're planning to do our first just picnic for progressives. In fact, I think there used to be one a couple of years ago. Somebody did one, and none of us can remember who did it. <laughs> so we've been trying to figure out who was it that was putting on that picnic, because we need to do that again, especially since the 2016 election. There have been a lot more people active in politics. So, yeah, we, we need to just shove all the groups together, and just put I hear in. the music coming on. So. <laughs> oh, we still got at least 15-ish seconds. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, there are some Christian people in town that are very progressive, and we work with them whenever we can. So, Well, that's good. Well, if you can join us after the break, we'll be right back with Atheist Talk on AM 950. Oh. 
Welcome back to AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. You're tuned in to Atheist Talk, and I'm your host, Hertzie Hertz, in the studio today with Amy with a Y from the middle of nowhere, Minnesota. <laughs> Before we get back, I want to remind everyone listening, actually, I don't want to remind them of that, sorry. <laughs> um, as for the here and now, if you'd like to get involved in the conversation with Amy and I this morning, you can call us at 952-946-6205, email us at radio at mnatheist.org, or tweet us at at Atheist Talk. As you can tell, I actually, I found my script. <laughs> Perfect. I just want to point out to everyone that Hertzie and I are not tired at all this morning. We nope. are ready to go. We're professionals. Yep. We know what we're doing. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's this like, is what happens when you get me in the studio. Oh, just, yeah. Well, it's, it's like when we went, we went to dinner with Maddie on Friday, and you were talking about people being like, oh, are Maddie and Hertzie as awesome? And I'm like, they are in real life. And I'm like, who thinks this. We need to correct this fine story. At the Secular Women Work Conference yesterday, I had someone come up to me and I said, yeah, I get to be on the radio tomorrow. And they're like, oh, I want to meet Hertzie in person so much. Yes, people like you. I'm t- you're good enough. You're smart enough. Gosh darn it. People like you, Hertzie and Maddie. So yeah. well, Definitely Maddie. Yeah. And of course, here I am covered in. So yeah. <laughs> we're going to tangent. I have I went to Chicago. I think we might have tangent on this once before on the show, but I went to Chicago to see Citation Needed, who may or may not have the podcast that shall not be named. <laughs> yeah, we don't talk about them here. No, nope, no. Nope. They're our genemies. It's a cognitive dissonance. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I went and saw it, and I got bed bugs, and now I think I have bed bugs at home. Oh, so I, I feel for you. Just make sure you sit at least 25 feet away from me, and then we'll be <laughs> in this studio. <laughs> You're lucky if you get five. Yeah. But yes, so oh, I'm kind man. of on a hiatus from people. <laughs> Life in general to you. Yes. I understand that. Yeah. yeah. But moving on so, to something yeah. much more fun. Um, we were talking, because the news, I mean, the big news, right? I know we were going to talk about rural communities, but yeah, they're kind of boring. Rural communities aren't that fun. They're yeah. over. Yeah, my my whole thing on rural communities is get active, do what you can, stay there, make the place better, and now we can move on to a different job. <laughs> I was going to say, because yeah. admittedly for me, the th- thing that usually comes to first to mind is I watch uh, forensic files and such, and how many times in the rural communities, it never happens oh, here. Yeah. I'm like, uh, yeah. But it always happens there. And I, I love the... I would never have expected. They were such a nice, yeah. Now those are the ones you got to watch out for. The mm-hmm. people that are a little too nice. Yo. Yeah, it's, it's good to be a little bit mean and dodgy. Then you know, now, sarcastic. Sarcastic is good. Yes, because because the the people they're not sarcastic or or anything like that. No, not at all. Uh, and I'm not sarcastic even a little bit. So <laughs> that's what people say about me all the time. Oh yes, you're a wonderful flower. <laughs> Um, no, so the, but with some of the big news coming around is John McCann and his death at 81. And it was interesting because on the news in between philosophy talk and this, they were talking about how he was surrounded by family and friends. I was kind of like, you know, the only times I really hear about, you know, someone actually being surrounded by family and friends is when they've done the, the elective. Yeah. And it's one of those, I'm like, oh, did McCain do that? I don't know. I 
It's I the thought hadn't even occurred to me till you mentioned it actually and it's he was in a situation where he knew what was coming and oh yeah was in a position where he could make that decision if he wanted to. Well, and just a couple of days ago they had talked about how he was going to um how he was going to stop treatment mm-hmm. or just not not get treatment. Right. And it's one of those I'm like that's fast. No he it normally does not fast. go that fast. No. I I mean my personal feelings on this are we need to have death with dignity available everywhere. This is something that it's cruel to me that we let people suffer at the end of their life without giving them options. And and we do this mostly because of religious reasons, because we have people that say only God is in charge of life and death. And you have to have quote unquote, natural life until the end of your life. And, you know, anyone who's watched somebody suffer horrifically, no, you should be able to be in control of when your life ends and how it ends. And and how much, and admittedly, how much of that is actually artificial lengthening? Mm-hmm. Um, I, had a, I had a friend whose father had, I think it was liver cancer, mm-hmm. And he had to get he had to get shots just to use the restroom. I mean, it was really bad. And it's one of those I'm like, if that was my situation, take me out back, please. Well, and I think a lot of people you talk to, in situations like that where it is artificial lengthening of your life, a lot of times that's for the benefit of the family, not mm-hmm. the person. It's the family that wants to extend that person's life as much as they can, despite the quality of that life. Most people I talk to will say something like you did, or like I would say, I don't want to live that way. I don't want. I don't think you're actually living when you're in pain constantly to that extent and you have no independence and no hope of any of it getting better. Most people don't want that for themselves, but it's their family members that want to just keep kind of forcing this artificial life on them. And I think that's kind of selfish and we should be talking about what the person wants for their life. You know, I have a living will on file because I have a chronic illness and I got to a point one day where I, you know, when the whole Terry Schiavo thing happened years ago, when that really blew up, I thought, okay, I need to have a living will. You know, I'm married, I have children. I need to make sure that my family knows what I want and what I don't want. And oddly enough, that's how the local hospital figured out that I'm an atheist because I, I had to, I filled out this living will And it's the chaplain at the hospital that goes through it and signs it and puts it on file for you. And I had written right in there, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in life after death. Um, Here's what I want and don't want. I don't want... Chaplain, this is our one and only interaction. Yeah. We will not interact. The funny thing is, because I have Crohn's disease, so I was in... You know, my local hospital knows me. Like I've, I've been there a lot. They, they're, and this particular chaplain, she's just the sweetest woman. And she would come in, despite me telling the hospital upon intake, no, I don't want to see a chaplain. But she would come see me every time. And she, really, she's a lovely woman. So I put up with her. She would come in and we'd chat. And she would ask, you know, do you want me to pray with you? And I'd be like, okay. And I'd let her pray and I'd watch TV and it was fine. <laughs> But when I did you the will, nice I, yeah, I was, I was Minnesota nice, you know, I'm like, I don't care. I'm just laying here in a hospital bed. It makes her feel better. But I filled out that living will and put specifically in there, I'm an atheist. And she took the paperwork and she left the room to go get it, whatever she needed to do with it and make copies. And she must've read it because when she came back, she said, okay, do you want me to, oh, wait, I was going to ask if you want me to pray with you, but you're probably good. You probably don't need that. Right. And I'm like, nope, I'm fine. And she said, okay, no problem. And she... 
she was totally cool about it. And and that's exactly how you want it handled. Yeah, like she just, she didn't. And since then, when I've been in the hospital, she'll still come to see me, but she never pressures me to pray with her or, you know, she seems to respect the fact that I'm an atheist. And I made sure to spell out in that living will, here's what I do and do not want. And if I am in a vegetative state, I don't want that to continue. And I made sure to tell my parents, I gave them a copy of my living will. This is what I want. This is, you know, and I gave one to my husband and I said, I want my husband to make decisions and I want you, my parents, to know that this is who's going to make the decisions because he knows what I want. And and then it doesn't put my parents in that position of having to make a decision because I've already made it. So get a living will, people. Yeah, or a healthcare directive. <laughs> healthcare directive, Which is yes. very similar. And yep. actually, I think it might be a little easier. Yeah, there's forms you can fill out. It's very simple to do, even if you don't have a chronic illness. Oh, yeah. Well, you can join us after the break where we'll talk about this or another topic, depending on what we talk about over the break. (laughs) Thank you so much. Talk on AM 950 KTNF. I'm your host, Hertzie, and we're having what I would classify as an excellent conversation with <laughs> Amy with a Y. Excuse me, before we continue this conversation, which will not be our final segment because I need to update this. We're, <laughs> we Professionals, do, people. Yes. Well, American atheists have their stuff with their things. Anyways, but... I have some housekeeping to attend to. Atheist Talk is produced with funding from Minnesota Atheists and Cucumbers Restaurant in Edina. Please consider visiting our sponsors, and if you do, let them know that you appreciate their support of Atheist Talk, especially cucumbers, because they're delicious. And if you want to advertise on the program and help keep us on the air, please contact us at radio at mnatheist.org. I also want to note our dedicated group of volunteers and the generous donations of you, our listeners. You help keep Atheist Talk on the air and in podcast form. And I want to note our donors, which is all of you, because I forgot to email Steve this week. <laughs> I am really organized this week. Maddie is probably... Not your day. No, <laughs> Maddie, I can I can see Maddie do, in her in her little job thing, doing her stuff, and just shaking her head, going, Hertzie, what are you doing? We love you, Maddie. Come back. <laughs> <laughs> Screw your job. I mean... Um, <laughs> Uh, but if you are able to donate, please do so at our Radio Fund page or our Patreon at www.patreon slash atheist talk. We are a Mind Minnesota Atheist is a 501c3 tax deductible organization, and we couldn't do this show without you, and we deeply appreciate your support. Music for Atheist Talk is by composer and member Brent Michael Davis, and is used with permission. Please note all of the opinions are of the guests and hosts only and do not necessarily reflect those of Minnesota Atheist Organization. As always, check out the Minnesota Atheist website for podcasts of previous programs. You can browse books, articles, um, peruse the calendar of upcoming events, which I know we have a bunch of them right now. So definitely go to the, the website, go to our meetup. There's some awesome stuff. Um, you can also sign up for the Athe- Atheist Weekly email, which will give you links to upcoming events. And if you enjoy the show and all Minnesota Atheists has to offer, please consider becoming a member while you're on the website. There are some great perks. Check out the hows and whys on the website. With all that relevant and hilariously clobbered, (laughs) (laughs) clobbered, whatever (laughs) information out of the way. Let's get back to our conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So during the break, we started talking about um, the Catholic hospitals. And you said that in your your rural little town of, we're going to, I'm going to call it Fargo. There you go. (laughs) From now on, you are from Fargo. Named Fargo. 
Ugh, I'm not really from Fargo. <laughs> yes, but if I think you're from Fargo, then, then you'll just keep saying Fargo. Exactly. It works. Exactly. Fargo's like, actually a lot bigger than where I come from, but well, it works. But there's there's one place. Well, every, everyone thinks that Fargo is like, like Fargo's like an area. It's not even like a city. It's like a whole yeah, area. Yeah, that's true. Anyways. Neither um, here nor there. Yeah, whatever. Anyways, but <laughs> in this in this little fictional Fargo, there's one hospital, mm-hmm. which and- which is hard for me in my big city mind because I've got like, at least in my old place in the middle of St. Paul, there was one within walking distance. And then you had you know, the regions and yeah. children's and United. And I actually once had to go to one of them because... One parent had gone to the emergency room, and I'm like, I don't know which hospital you're oh, in. No. There's three of them. <laughs> I figured it out. I figured it out. <laughs> this was before my phone had uh, Google Maps. <laughs> I figured it out. I was a smart kid. Good old days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but so you have one. Mm-hmm. And it is Catholic run. Um, so, you know, like you were saying earlier, when people say something like, we'll just go to a different one. No, that's not an option where yeah. I live. You know, we there are two other hospitals within probably a 30-minute drive. So if I am in excruciating pain, I have the option of going to the Catholic hospital, which is in town, or staying in my car for an additional 30 minutes and traveling to one of the other hospitals. Usually when you're in excruciating pain or you're in labor or something's happening, you're going to go to the nearest one to you. And in my area, that is the Catholic hospital. And so, and recently, actually, the Catholic, um, I think it's the Diocese of Duluth, bought the healthcare system in our town. So now the main healthcare system in our town is also Catholic owned. And so this obviously has implications for women's uh, health Men's health, birth control, men's health management too. Because if they wanna, if they wanna do the thing with the stuff, you know. Well, that's the weird thing. It's not that hard to get a vasectomy, surprisingly. What? Yeah, but the I remember when the Catholic system first bought the clinics because they had always owned the hospital, but they did not. the The clinics were privately owned. And when the church bought the clinic system, I worked at the clinic. I w- it was going through this merger while I worked there. And they had to take all of the OBGYN services and move them to a physical location that was outside the doors of the clinic. So they, they actually had an office suite that was technically outside the doors of the main doors of the clinic. And that's where they had, quote unquote, women's health services. That honestly feels like a red tent situation, <clears throat> which is much. really creepy. So it was kind of this thing where they were kind of part of the clinic system, but also separate. And that's how they were able to still provide birth control and do... I was going to say, because it, was it like a, a business separate entity sort I, of? I don't know how they... I don't remember how they figured it out business-wise. I just remember that they had to take those particular physicians and move them to an office suite that was technically outside the main clinic doors. So they weren't inside the main clinic. See, when when places start doing stuff like that, I want to look at their books. Right? Yeah. (laughs) Like the accountant in me is like, Mm -hmm. how do you... Because it seems like a very obviously like justification. Because there are some Catholic organizations that are, I mean, at least better-ish. Like the Sisters of St. Joseph, I've heard wonderful things about. They're very, very progressive. And so it's one of those, I'm like, 
you know, you're, you're last on my list of Catholic things I don't like. Well, and it depends on the clinic and the hospital and this particular staff. What you're, what you're going to get depends on kind of who's in charge at the time. Yeah. But, you know, when I end up in the hospital, like I said, because of my Crohn's disease, I'm kind of a frequent flyer at the hospital. And when I, every time I check in, they ask, do you want to see a chaplain while you're here? You know, they used to ask, what is your religion when you got when you were intake, and I used to just say none. They quit asking that. Now they still ask, "Do you? Would you like a chaplain to visit you?" And I always say no, and they always send the chaplain anyway. So I don't know why they ask that question. But then you get into a room. There's a nice cross hanging on the wall. Um, someone brings a nice bouquet of flowers that says "God loves you" on it. You know, there's all these just little things that are. Like, okay, next yeah. time you go to the hospital, you need to tell me. <laughs> I will. I will send you a bouquet of black flowers yes. that says Satan loves you. It will be it will be beautiful. It'll be tasteful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, let's be honest, but you got to be tasteful when you're doing this. That's true. Um, and then I'm I will classy. Come- <laughs> I like I like nice things. Exactly. We'll get you a nice little black bouquet with a nice little red ribbon and then we'll take your cross and we'll glue it so it's upside down. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. Well, when you talk about things like Christian privilege, that that's just all privilege. Pe- yeah. Every there's so many people in town that don't have any problem with it and that don't even realize the limitations of a Catholic hospital. I've talked to people that are like, "Wait, what? You can't get your tubes tied there? You can't get Brit? No." And they've just it, they've it's never occurred to them to even think about that before because they think it's just a hospital and that's no. And it's so frustrating because, yeah, I don't have the option of just taking my business elsewhere. You know, when you're sick, you're sick. You can't take your business elsewhere. When there's no place to walk, you can't let your legs do the yeah <laughs> the it's, voting or whatever it is. That. And it's frustrating to me because they've recently done a ton of renovations, which are fantastic for the patients. But a lot of that includes a nice fountain in the atrium and, in, you know, making the gift shop nicer and... You know, just making the facade of the lobby look. And I look at that as a patient and think, why is the money going to that when all most of us can't afford our health care and can't afford to go to the hospital? And here you have this Catholic organization that's supposed to be all about charity and about helping people. But you can see the money they're spending right in the lobby. And then mm-hmm. you go home and I... I will tell you, of all the debt collectors I've ever had chase me down for money... The Catholic hospital is the most voracious. Like I, well, they got to get the money for those. Yeah, the, I mean, what, how big was the latest scandal? Yep, they will hunt you down and they will be calling you. And it's it's. I have so many friends in town who just don't have the money, and they're fighting with the hospital or the clinic because they you know, they'll tell the hospital, "I can only pay you twenty dollars a month or fifty dollars a month," and the hospital's like, "No, we need." this much per month and it it just the whole state of healthcare in this country is maddening but yeah what people don't realize when you're in a small town you don't have options you can't which also means that you can get they can break you on some of that stuff too because mm-hmm. they can charge more because they know you don't have anywhere yeah. else to go yeah no, you know it's yeah. it's frustrating you don't you know, I, I used to work for Planned Parenthood, and we, which was, oh, man, when you live in a small town and you work for Planned Parenthood, Oof. you're kind of persona non grata everywhere. But, yeah, we had one family planning clinic, and I would hear people from the metro area be like, well, can't you just go somewhere else if that doesn't work? No, we don't. You know, they closed our Planned Parenthood clinic in 2011, and you would hear people say, well, can't they? Can't the patients just go somewhere else? There is literally nowhere else to go. 
if you are in need of birth control and you're 17 years old, you're not going to go to your pediatrician and first of all, you're not going to know how to even make that appointment. And then your parents are going to get billed for that insurance and there's just nowhere to go. So teen pregnancy goes up and everybody wonders why. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a completely different set of circumstances. We are fortunate in that we just opened a privately owned community family planning clinic in town and it's amazing. Um, and it's run by four awesome, awesome women who just took this project on and they were like, we're going to open a clinic, we're going to get some funding. And they just opened this last year. And I mean, it is truly, it's an amazing clinic. Um, but that's people's only option now, you know. <laughs> and and I think rural places need it, it to, to a point, need it more than oh, the cities do. Cause, I mean, absolutely. The, I mean, yes, the cities need it. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> um, everybody needs it. Everybody needs it. But it's a question of, you know, because in the rural areas, it's so rare for you to find places that are willing to talk about mm. those things yes. and such and to give teenagers the outlet. You know, I mean, the Internet is great. I yeah. love the Internet. But the Internet also has a lot of bad information. Yes. Almost swore there. <laughs> Eric is very yeah. happy because he doesn't have to use the button. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of bad information out there. Yeah. You know, it's it's nice to be able to go to know that there is a place where you mm-hmm. can send your kids and go, this is going to give you accurate information. I may have trouble saying this because you are my child, but this right. is where you can go for this information. Well, especially when you're dealing in a small town with a school system that does not have comprehensive sex ed. And again, there's no other options. There's a school. There's You can send your kids to the Catholic school or you can send them to the public school. That's pretty much it. And they're not going to get sex ed at the public schools. So it's no. another situation where, you know, I, I'm so jealous of my friends that live in metro areas that have all these school options that are like, well, I send my child to a magnet school that helps them with science and environmentalism. We don't have that. We have the school and we have to do what we can to make that better. And that's a frustrating. I was going to say, there, there is a, I mean, it's not like a, it, it's, there's the option though of Camp Quest too for that oh, science. Oh, yes. That's a good plug for Camp Quest. <laughs> that is a great plug yeah. because they, they do, um, I know that they, they do talk um, I know they tackle some of the the gender issues and things like that with the older children, younger children who are like up to like yeah. middle school or something. They usually it's less. I mean, I don't think they really talk about it as much. But yeah. you know, it was a it was great to know that the that they even talk about that because so many places just are like, no, we just that's, ignore it, brush it. It's which doesn't help the situation. No, kids need information that's accurate. Absolutely. Well, stay with us through the break, and we'll be right back. Thank you for joining us for this final segment of Atheist Talk. I, I don't actually have a thing planned for this, so we're just going to kind of jump in. It. I don't know how to do that, Hertzie. <laughs> My, our show, our podcast is very much scripted and laid out beforehand. And no, that's not the case at all. I was going to say, I can point to, do the, <laughs> to the episode of Hertzie Talks where you and Amy were on. Uh, and that was a good episode. Get it? It was, I mean, like people always say herding cats. Oh. And admittedly, my cats are actually really easy to herd. They're like freaking adorable. the worst cats. The worst. Well, <laughs> if you do want to join us on this random call of randomness, we are at 952-946-6205. Um, but yes, the worst cats. It was like yeah. dragging Amy you. and I are like drunk cats, but <laughs> just... Cats and catnip. Yeah. We're terrible. I don't... We... When Amy and I started our podcast... <laughs> We had plans. We were going to do segments. We were like, really? Oh, yeah. We were throwing around all these segment ideas. 
we, you know, talked about, do we want to script it? What do we, we actually did put planning into this show. And then when it started, we were like, nah, let's just talk about whatever happens to pop into our brains. So, yeah. See, with Hertzie Talks, I, I, you have to have some scripting on it because yeah. it's describing something that's happening. Right. And... And so it's like, so it's like I took a lot of the, some of the, at least some of the stuff that I heard that Gam does, because mm-hmm. there it is, the weekly game. I can't not be on something and not reference Gam. It's sad. <laughs> like they ruin your brain somehow and you just. Well, but, I mean, when your, your podcast is a little bit like it, it's kind of like, okay, do you know what this is? Yeah, it's like this, but worse. Yeah. <laughs> I just tell people our show is like cognitive dissonance, only better infinitely better because we're women and we're Fact. funnier and you know you are funnier so. actually <laughs> like i i heart tom and cecil but <laughs> I, I just listened to the one where you had uh where you guys were taking doing the takedown of uh brand x oh yes poor john poor, I, we ruined their show i can you t- can you do like a brief 10 second thing of that because that was 10 seconds so we okay, 30 seconds <laughs> uh there was another podcast that found our podcast through a third podcast so they were listening and they heard about us through the dumb all over podcast um and so this john guy who does brand x was like i'm gonna check out this podcast see what it's about he got hooked on it really liked it and and he's a little bit more conservative leaning and his podcast is kind of a a guy's show was. like it was, was yes <laughs> was like a kind of like the man show if people remember what that was but it was just guys talking guy stuff these two guys in new jersey and his co-host was very much a is still a person he did not die <laughs> is a very trump supporting just you know conservative all the way and so when John started listening to our show, he started sending me emails saying, man, you guys are making me softer. You know, I hate you. Why are you doing this to me? He's, you're making me think about things. Did you look at the episode name before the episode where they do the takedown of you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I was like, I was like, how, how is this? I, 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 yeah. I have to listen to it now because I'm like, this yeah. is terrifying. I don't recommend it. Um, but no, John had sent me an email and said, you know, I want to start doing the segment where I talk about new podcasts and introduce our audience to these new podcasts. And I'd like to do your guys' show as our first one. Is that okay? And I'm like, yeah, totally. You know, talk about our podcast. You have my permission. And so he told me he was doing it and he sent me the episode and Amy and I listened to it. And it basically devolved. It started out as here's what Secular Soup is about. Here's some clips from it. And then it turned into him and his co-host just fighting about Trump, like just yelling at each other and devolving. So Amy and I then had a joke that we broke up their bromance. And we talked about that on our show. We're like breaking up bromances left and right. Which I don't think you guys were really that serious about it. No, we were. Oh, Oh, no, we were joking. We did an episode of our show where we kind of reviewed their review of us and went back through and just pointed out some things where we thought the co-host might be in error. And, you know, <laughs> and I thought, I thought of you guys did a good job. Gave some factual information for, but uh, John recently invited us, you know, he had sent me an email and said, hey, I want to have you guys on the show. I want to do an interview. And my co-host is out of town for a week. So <laughs> he doesn't even know I'm going to do this, but I'm going to bring you guys on. So I, I said, sure, we'll do that. You know, John's always been, we don't agree with him on everything, but he's been a cool guy to us. He's very respectful and always says, you know, I like what you ladies have to say about things. And. 
But yeah, we found out this week that his co-host quit the show. So we literally broke up there. Because I think I would kind of listen to some of their episodes. And after he started listening to our show, he was getting a little bit more liberal and a little bit more open-minded. And his co-host was not having that. And they would would just have these political fights on their podcast. So... Yeah. Yeah. But I think our show, that's one of the things I'm really proud of with our show is that I feel like we we reach a lot of people that might not listen otherwise to an atheist podcast or something about feminism or left, you know, left wing politics. I think partly because we have that kind of comedy aspect and we treat it not seriously (laughs) at all. So we get some people to listen that might start thinking about things that they didn't think about otherwise. And, you know, I like that. It's. And you do actually, I mean, you do have the ability to connect with that smaller community person because you, you understand that mindset better where me, um, (laughs) I I think, I think it was my ex who was from, um, small town, um, kind of little north of Sock Rapids, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he said that his classmates called it Murder Murderapolis. Oh yeah. You know, and and mm-hmm. I remember my mom's family growing up was like, How can you how can you raise your children? Mm-hmm. And I was like, Are you kidding? I mean, no, we didn't go, you know, two, three miles down the road, but yeah. we rode our bikes around the block and around the the few blocks around and we didn't Yeah, when we were growing up, there was a lot of, you know, when I went to college, I went to college my senior year of high school. So I did the post-secondary program where you can go to college and high school at the same time. So I actually moved down to St. Paul when I was 17 in high school. I got a dorm room. I applied for the post-secondary program. But I had a lot of family members that told my parents, how can you let her move there? She's going to get murdered. (laughs) Like, she's going to be walking down the street and just get murdered. I can't believe you're letting her do that. There's so many bad influences down there, and it's so scary. And you do, when you're raised in a small town, you're raised with this idea that cities are scary. Oh, my God. And that everybody's murdering each other on the streets and that we're so much safer in our town. And it's just not the case at all. You know, there's... You're just as you're in just as much danger in a small town, especially with things like domestic violence. Oh, my God, yes. That you're not getting away from that in a small town, you know. No, you don't have the shelters and such that we have here. No, we we do have one women's shelter, which is amazing. Again, community run, nothing. Our local government does not much of anything to help anybody. In fact, our public health department does not distribute condoms for religious reasons. We have a county commission. Oh yeah. I, there's a whole story I can tell you about this later, but they, oh, they this don't. This is going to be patron. This is going to be patron. We're we'll going to we'll talk about this on Patreon, but yeah, they there don't. Will be swears. Our there will county be swears. health department does not provide any sort of family planning services, and they are not allowed to distribute condoms. The public <sighs> health nurses have been told by the county administrator they are not to do that, and it, it it's so frustrating because you're on the one hand. I see so much hope where I live, especially now there's so many more people getting politically active and showing up to things. And we think, you know, we can make this better. We can make a difference, especially for all these kids growing up in small towns that are LGBT or, you know, little baby atheists. Or, you know, we can make a difference and we can help them. But it's so hard most of the time. Well, that is all the time we have this week. If you would like to hear more of Amy and I's discussion, um, we will be definitely doing a Patreon. We can swear on that. We can (laughs) swear on that, which again, Eric is just grinning because he's like, I don't have to press the button. (laughs) But join us next week where we'll have another exciting episode. Thank you so much.